We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. Lead a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 79th ever show of All Around Sports. Each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week, as well as discuss my event of the week that I covered. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Well, my highlight of the week was the San Francisco Giants in the World Series, following their comeback from down 3-1 to beat the St. Louis Cardinals. Giants are doing everything right these days, including last night's stirring tribute to veterans before Game 2. From Pablo Sandoval, the Kung Fu Panda, swatting three home runs in Game 1, to Barry Zito being reborn on the pitching mound, to simply being lucky with batted balls literally defying physics in ricocheting off the side of third base bag to ignite a big inning in Game 1. The G-Men are just simply on a serious roll right now, and I'm loving it. I grew up near Pittsburgh, as my listeners know, but my other favorite team back in the day as a kid was the San Francisco Giants, and I used to beg my father to take me over to Forbes Field growing up whenever the Giants came east to play the Pirates. And he did so many, many times, maybe a dozen or so during the 1960s. And uh, it was just fabulous. I'd go to see Willie Mays, Willie McCovey, Juan Marichal, 
and the rest of that uh, terrific star-studded Giants team play the Pirates. Pretty good themselves, uh, from Bill Mazeroski to, obviously, Roberto Clemente, Willie Stargell. Uh, great games and uh, some of my fondest memories of sports, and one of the reasons I got hooked on sports was going to watch the San Francisco Giants and the Pittsburgh Pirates play at Forbes Field in the 1960s. Fabulous. My low light of the week is just the complete dissolution of the Lance Armstrong legend in just a few short weeks. Finalized this week pretty much by the vacating of his seven Tour de France titles. Last night, I watched Rock Center on NBC with Brian Williams, where two women, formerly from his inner circle, discussed their association with him and painted a very unflattering portrait of the man, the myth, the legend. And using adjectives to describe him that were downright scary, bullying, intimidating, uh, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and I just didn't realize this personally about Lance Armstrong and uh, the apparent fraud that he perpetrated for uh, more than a decade. We all know his good works with the Live Strong Foundation, but even that just, and he stepped down from that this week. He obviously lost his sponsorships last week. Um, it's just coming apart at the seams in unbelievably fast fashion. Can't remember seeing anything quite like it in recent memory. But uh, again, this, this show last night on uh, Rock Center was really an eye-opener for me personally. Uh, and just hard to believe that he has fallen so far, so fast. Well, my bizarre story of the week is the swift demise of West Virginia, an early Heisman candidate, Geno Smith, the quarterback, I couldn't believe last Saturday night as I watched Kansas State go into Morgantown and lay a 55-14 beatdown on the Mountaineers, who had lost the previous week before to Texas Tech by a score of 49-14. to All this came after a 5-0 start in which Smith was racking up touchdown passes while throwing zero interceptions. Uh, victory number five came down in Austin before 100,000-plus at Texas as they beat the Longhorns, and that was the game where I think everybody said, okay, West Virginia is legitimate, and Geno Smith is far out in front of the Heisman race. But just that quickly, it turned around. Uh, they've had their welcome to the Big 12 moment, uh, harsh as it may seem here in the last uh, last couple weeks, and it's just been, again, uh, fairly amazing to watch. As you listeners know, I grew up covering the Mountaineers back in my newspaper reporter days, and Morgantown is not an easy place to go in and win, especially on a Saturday night, and especially by a score of 55 to 14. It's just, uh, it was stunning. And the flip side of that, of course, is you now have to wake up and pay attention to Kansas State, who uh, has to be considered a serious contender. They went in and beat Oklahoma in Norman, and their quarterback is fabulous. And uh, Bill Snyder, great coach. you got to love any coach who's over 70 years old. 
uh, doing it big time. And so, as the Mountaineers go down, Kansas State rises, and uh, it should be fascinating to watch to see, number one, can, can the Mountaineers rebound? Uh, the season isn't dead yet, and if they can somehow get back to the early form, uh, they can make a little noise, but they're not obviously not going to win the national championship. Kansas State still in the hunt, undefeated, up in the top five, and uh, I think they've got a lot of people's attention right about now. And my event of the week that I attended was an NFL Army whiteboard session, which was a follow-up to their joint traumatic brain injury study announced recently at West Point that I covered uh, a couple of months ago, late August, and discussed on this show. It was held in D.C. this Monday at the Association of the U.S. Army annual meeting, which was maybe the biggest meeting I've ever been to in my life. It was at the Washington, D.C. Convention Center. There were approximately 30,000 attendees. And this whiteboard session was held to kick off the campaign, started at West Point. And what the whiteboard session did was it paired former players, uh, eight or ten of them, with soldiers to discuss the best tactics to employ in advancing the initiative, again, announced at West Point a couple of months ago. It was uh, very well handled. It was really a... First-class brainstorming session um, lasted a couple hours, again, held inside the D.C. Convention Center amidst this absolutely gigantic uh, gathering of the Army, and uh, lots and lots of great ideas were thrown out as, they, uh, as the players and the soldiers sat at different tables. Uh, it was attended by... Troy Vincent, among others, uh, Troy is the uh, head of NFL player engagement. Um, I worked with Troy on writing the Bloomberg Business Week special advertising section on NFL player engagement that was published in early September. And again, they really just uh, each gave their perspective on what they think will work best going forward for advancing this initiative of studying traumatic brain injuries, what they have in common. Obviously, you don't compare what happens on a football field with what happens on a battlefield. But in the same light, there are similarities, uh, mainly in the white-hot field of TBI, traumatic brain injury, concussions. Uh, it has the utmost attention of both the Army and the NFL, and all types of fabulous ideas were thrown out, but the most important is simply that uh, a peer-to-peer -peer interaction where teammates and soldiers are recognizing when their uh, brethren have perhaps suffered a concussion or head injury of some sort, and basically bring it to the attention of the powers that be, be it on the battlefield or on the football field. It's, uh, you can't talk about the importance of it. You can't overstate it. Uh, again, formative session. 
Uh, lots of ideas thrown out there on how to bring it both, you know, right down to the simplest, lowest level of fellow soldiers and teammates, calling it to the appropriate people's attention, but also bringing it to the, into the public eye to just make it more of the norm that, uh, you know, tear down all the existing stereotypes of macho-ness, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, minimizing the word getting dinged, so to speak, uh, common football term, and making it so that, uh, you know, everybody is accountable, everybody's watching out for the soldier and or teammate beside them when they see something that uh, just doesn't seem right. Bring it, bring it up to the doctors, medical personnel, trainers, what have you. Uh, they've already, you know, established, of course, baseline train, baseline testing, <clears throat> so they can administer tests right on the spot. And uh, again, just you know, taking the the prevailing approach that is used these days that uh, everybody wants to get back on the field, be it the battlefield or the football field, and eliminating what is the macho macho feelings around this very, very serious subject. And uh, so what is so impressive about this is that, you know, the NFL and the Army, just to watch them, you know, follow through after attending the session out at West Point. It's a gargantuan task, to put it mildly, and to see them, uh, you know, follow up on and do, as they always do, exactly what they said they were going to do, which is get this thing underway, starting at, again, the simplest level. It was basically two players paired with two soldiers at each table. There was probably about five or six tables and former players, let me add that, and uh, just really talking about what they have in common, building relationships, uh, and just getting to know each other and what their shared experiences have been and will be going forward. And uh, so it's just going to be fascinating to watch it unfold. Obviously, it has a dramatic effect now and going forward. And it's just going to be, you know, it involves so much more than just the players and the soldiers. Uh, most directly affects the families of these players and soldiers and you know how they can uh you know how they can get have the biggest support system possible and how everybody is just simply recognizing that uh this is now you know part of both sports and soldiery for lack of a better word uh as we move forward here in 2012 it's so real it's current it's uh the hottest of hot topics going uh, going forward, and I am here to report. It's underway. I sat in the room. I witnessed it. I talked to soldiers. I talked to former players who all participated, talked to NFL personnel and Army personnel, and was very impressed and struck by the commitment on their part and uh, their willingness to, uh, you know, get the show on the road. So... I plan to monitor it going forward 
and it's one of the more interesting uh, studies, for lack of a better word, initiatives that I have had the pleasure to be a part of. So uh, I will continue to report the progress that uh, that I'm privy to and, and honored to be part of uh, moving forward. And as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from outside the huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. to the pros we cover everything let your voice be heard voice america sports you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, how are you doing today? I'm excellent, John. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for calling in, and we're now into the World Series, and uh been a very interesting first two games, to say the least. The Giants hold a 2-0 lead over the Tigers, and uh a bit surprising. I don't think really anybody expected that, especially when you consider that Justin Verlander was the game one pitcher. Yeah, I, yeah surprising is a good word, because, you know, I don't, I don't, I think coming in, People were looking at, you know, certainly the, the game start, the game one and game two starters, uh, Verlander and the Ducks sisters had a terrific year for the Tigers too. You know, I don't think anybody really thought that they'd be outpitched by, uh, by Barry Zito and Madison Bumgarner. It's been, uh, quite a turnaround. Uh, Zito is a guy who's much, you know, left for dead, left for the scrap heap during most of the season. Uh, much maligned in San Francisco 
kind of the way A.J. Burnett was with the Yankees last year. Um, so it, it was, uh, I think, certainly coming in, you know, I'll take a lot of people. I think most people certainly looked at the matchup and figured the Tigers to be the clear favorites. Just based on pitching alone, you know, Berlander's a Cy Young award winner. He's been so, so great all year long. Uh, and again, Fister's had a nice season. Uh, I just think that the, that the, the Giants, you know, maybe, maybe they're just one of those, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, kind of a cliche when we hear this, but maybe they're just one of those teams of destiny, you know? I mean, look at the first two rounds of the playoffs. They came back from 3-1 deficits against the Reds first, um, you know, and then, and then in the LCS. It's just, it's just, it's just kind of crazy, you know, to, to win the way they did. Um, it's kind of stunning, actually. You know, the, then that beat, beat two teams. Uh, you know, we tend to beat the Cardinals in the uh, in the LCS to get to this point, and uh, you know that that very memorable uh, trophy presentation in the pouring rain that uh, at AT and T Park. So yeah, you know, maybe it's just one of those teams of destiny. Um, you know, and then Game One to have Vanderbilt come out and crush three homers. I mean, the World Series game, three at bats, something that's only only three other guys have done. Uh, you know, Babe Ruth and uh, Albert Poole and Reggie Jackson is pretty good company. So, you know, for them to come out the way they did in game one and then pretty much uh, Bumgarner beating Fitzgerald in a, in a uh, pitching duel game two. So, you know, Tigers kind of have to be pretty stunned going down 2 nothing in this series now. So, uh, you know, clearly the, the, um, the, the uh, momentum is, 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 is without a doubt on the Giants' side. And uh, you will know, we'll kind of see how it plays out. I, I would expect, uh, you know, I'm thinking they're expecting a sweep by any means, that the Tigers have been so good all year long. I kind of wonder a little bit, maybe uh, Tigers have had a little bit of an emotional letdown after uh, beating the Yankees in the LCS. You know, maybe uh, maybe to them that was uh, that was their World Series. I don't know. But uh, they've uh, – I don't, I, don't, I don't think they've really come out flat, but I just think the Giants have been the better team in games one and two. So I would fully expect the Tigers to kind of regroup a little bit, come out a little stronger for three through five, and then, then, then so we are that, see where we are at that point. Yes, well, good analysis, and, uh, you know, I was struck watching game one uh, by a couple of things. Number one, you know, if ever a World Series game, series was won in game one, it might have been this one, the first since, of course, Kirk Gibson's famous home run uh, to win when the Dodgers beat the Reds back in the day, and he hit that dramatic home run when he could hardly even walk. And that series was over right then and there in uh, the late innings of game one. And as I watched Pablo Sandoval hit three home runs, Barry Zito, considered by some to be the worst free agent signing ever. Uh, but in my mind, I was also thinking back, uh, not so much game one, but when he won game five in St. Louis, a must-win game when they were down 3-1. Uh, reminded me of when J.D. Drew also considered a heavily overpriced free agent who hadn't done much with the Red Sox, but I was there the night in Fenway Park when he hit a grand slam in game one of the seventh game, and that was it. With one swing, J.D. Drew earned his entire paycheck of $70 million in a multi-year contract. I felt the same about Barry Zito uh, when he won game five a couple weeks ago, or I should say just about a week ago, and... um, you know, if there was anything left for him to earn after his Game 5 victory in St. Louis when he showed up big time and threw a shutout, 
he earned it on Monday or the other night when he won game one. Uh, again, just looking dazzling like the old Barry Zito. So, uh, so yeah. And then I, I talked at the beginning of the show about that crazy play where, uh, the ball bounced off the side of the third base bag, which ignited, uh, a multi-score inning. And when I saw that, I mean, it basically defies physics. Like you couldn't do that again, you know, to go off the side of the third base bag, it just is nearly impossible to do. Yet it, it happened, and Miguel Cabrera just shook his head, and, you know, like I said, it ignited uh, a couple of runs that inning, and I kind of thought, back to your original term, team of destiny right there. That was my first thought. Like, this is it. This is theirs for the taking. Well, sure. I mean, and also, you know, if you want to even take, take it a step further, just go back to uh, – the last game of BLCS when uh, during that at bat of Hunter Pence when the when the bat broke and he hit the and the ball actually made contact three times he actually hit the ball three times while in the batter's box which I don't think I've ever seen that before uh, and you know that I think you know, with the bat spot with the bat flying and the and the splinters flying and, uh, the, and the Cardinals not quite knowing what to do there or the the shortstop Cosmo looking looking really confused um, no bases clearing bubbles the turn so we've never seen before. You know, we've talked about this on the show before too. I mean, one of the most, one of the great things about baseball that really puts it, you know, and we've talked about this on the show too. I, I don't think that uh, the suit, the spot that the, the NFL has in our national conscious. I mean, obviously, it's it's it's, it's the, our favorite sport. But one of the things I think that makes baseball really special and really endearing in a lot of ways is that. You might go to a game or might turn a game on on TV, and you may see something you've never seen before. Uh, you know, I, I think more so than any other sport, baseball has that kind of quality to it, that kind of romantic quality that, well, gee, you might see something really special today or something really unusual or just something just wacky or crazy. And and I, I think I think baseball doesn't really disappoint very much when it comes to that. And certainly uh, in the LCS, certainly in, in you know with the play you mentioned, the ball hitting off the third base bag, it's just just crazy, unusual stuff that you really don't see very often. So um, it's just it's just kind of just kind of nutty, and I think that's what makes baseball worthwhile. You know, where there's so much drama in the postseason. So, but yeah, getting back to the original point, yeah, I, I think it was. Uh, yeah, I think I think the Tigers have to feel you know, maybe a little, a little bit shell shocked, and the and the Giants are just like, hey, let's just ride this, let's just keep riding it, and see how far we can go with this. You know, I, 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 the, when you look at the Giants. They look like a team that's just kind of having fun, you know, all the guys with the all the big beards, and you know, and, and Brian Wilson, the dugout, kind of dancing, going crazy. They're, they they really look like a team that's just really having fun with this, and and you know, there's difference between having fun and just kind of happy to be there. I think they're more than happy to be there. I think I think they're enjoying the ride, and I also think they realize that hey, we can we can win this thing, and let's just keep it rolling, keep it going. And I just think they're. They're having a good time, and it, and it shows. They, they, they look they look loose when they're playing. They're not tight at all. They're not nervous at all. They, they just seem to be really uh, enjoying the moment and really seizing the moment, and uh, just just kind of taking advantage of everything going their way. So they're in a, they're in a great spot right now, I think. Well, they really are. And I was looking last night when they introduced the starting lineup, and I just thought, you know, wow, that doesn't jump out at you as you know a world championship starting lineup. Uh, not like you know when you see Prince Fielder and Miguel Cabrera, triple crown winner. You know that Justin Verlander 
you know, the Giants do not have that kind of uh, lineup. Uh, but yet, they're all rising to the occasion. I mean, they have championship timber, as we found out two years ago, and they just seem to be, uh, you know, doing it again. Um, they seem to have, like, just a special quality. And, uh, you know, love the fans out there, by the way. I actually had the pleasure of, uh, as I said at the top of the show, going to many San Francisco Giants back at the old Forbes Field in Pittsburgh when I was a kid because I liked Mays, Marichal, and McCovey. But I also had the good fortune to attend a game at the new AT&T Park right when it was new, uh, 1999. It had just opened that April. I was in San Francisco that June, sat behind the plate up in the second deck, so enjoyed that spectacular view out over the bay to the bay bridge and beyond to oakland uh, with the water and everything and uh so you know as a with every one of those shots they keep showing uh you know i I just think back to that day in 1999 and again their fans just look like they're having the most fun of any baseball fans i've seen in a long time waving the orange towels totally into it i mean this city has really really adopted this team and it's fabulous to see yeah, and, it, it, and you know, I think that makes it more fun to watch too. I mean, especially too. I mean, and and this is a rarity too. I mean, not even more so than a rarity. I mean, think about it. Think about the Giants. Think about how long they've been around. Think about the Tigers. How long they've been around. Both have been around since the turn of the last century. But yet, this is the first time these two teams have played each other in the World Series, which is kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. But you know, certainly the uh, two teams have deserved to be there. Certainly, two teams that have that have. Uh, account themselves very well to get to this point. And, you know, one team, certainly, uh, you know, the Giants, a team that, that just, that they just seem to love just being on the field and, and love, and I'm, I'm not saying the Tigers don't, but I think the Giants are striking me as that team of, of destiny, that team that just really has everything rolling for them the right way. The dice are rolling just the right way. Every, everything is just going their way. And, and you know, and a lot of times, in sports, you know, a team that gets hot in the playoffs, the postseason, you know, when you get hot at the right time, just go on a roll and, and, and there's not much anybody else can do. I mean, we've seen it happen in other sports with other teams. We have, we see it happen a lot. So, you know, they, they, it just may be their time. So, uh, so good for them. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see, uh, how the Tigers respond to this, you know, going home down to nothing. You know, I think the fans have to be a little bit, a little concerned, but, you know, it's always good to go home and, uh, you know, one win. And then everything changes the complexion of everything. So, you know, you know, like we always talk about, you know, winning, winning solves a lot of ills. So, it's, uh, so you, you can ignore a lot of other things. As long as you're winning, you know, that, that takes care of a lot. So I, I fully imagine should the Tigers win game three, uh, especially if they do it in impressive and, and uh, decisive fashion, you know, that'll, that'll certainly change the whole complexion and tenor of this series. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Tiger fans are also uh, having fun. They like San Francisco. It's a nice downtown ballpark. I've walked right by it when I attended a couple games at Ford Ford Field, the Lions, and uh, a spectacular setting there, too. Again, just like uh, the San Francisco Park, smack in the middle of downtown, and, uh, you know, just a fabulous atmosphere. And Barry, with that said, great perspective on the World Series. A week from today, barring rainouts, we'll know who won. Uh, and we'll talk about that on next week's show, of course. But for now, it's time for our break, and I know you're sticking around. We're going to talk a little NFL next.
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Are you looking for the ultimate trail to hike? Maybe you're looking to do the ultimate backpacking adventure. Whether you're a day hiker or an all-out backpacker, be sure to tune in to Backpacking America's Trails with host Rob Maureen. We'll explore some of the most fascinating places on Earth. In addition, we'll talk about backpacking gear, including reviews, safety tips, and more. Our experts will share recipes, destinations, and skills to make backpacking the most enjoyable experience for you. Listen every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Kevin Lewis has been a student of the game his entire life, from Little League to the NFL. Tune in Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on Voice America Sports. Hustling with K. Lewis. It's not where you start, it's how you finish. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And to join the show, the call-in number is one 888 Three four six nine one four four, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us now is our weekly expert, Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post. And Barry, uh, we're going to talk a little NFL now. And let me start off by saying that uh, I was in Washington, D.C. last Sunday and watched uh, the Redskins-Giants game in an establishment in Washington, and to say to see the passion for RG3 up close was fascinating to me, to say the least. He literally, uh, you know, is living up to the RG3 for president uh, movement occurring right now in D.C. And, uh, you know, to see the excitement when he threw what most thought was the winning touchdown pass, uh, which was immediately preceded by an absolutely amazing fourth down scramble and completion on a fourth and ten. Uh, this guy is the best thing that's come into the NFL in years, to say the least. And, uh, you know, obviously it was uh, only momentary because Eli hit Victor Cruz with a 77-yard pass uh, literally seconds later, under a minute to go, to, uh, to win the game, uh, how Victor Cruz got... That wide open on that play is beyond me, and trust me, sitting in Washington watching the reaction of the Redskins to that play was uh, equally fascinating as it was watching RG3 with with the go-ahead touchdown just a minute or so earlier. So I know you know your Giants. What were your thoughts on that game? 
Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm quite certain that, um, you know, the reaction uh, down in D.C., you know, when uh, when Eli and Victor Cruz connected, I'm sure that the people down there were saying, oh, darn, and uh, just, you know, yes. just kind of not happy about it but, or, or something like that. But, uh, they were devastated, yeah, I mean, trust me. Yeah, I think, uh, you, you know, uh, to get back to just uh, RG3, I mean, yeah, I mean, he certainly has, has, has lived up to everything advertised. You know, it's funny, before the... Over the, uh, I think before the little pre-draft talk, everybody was talking about, uh, about Andrew Luck, and people talk about RG3 too. But I think I, I think RG3 has made a much bigger impact than the, than Luck has so far. Uh, even though Luck was regarded as the, um, you know, the, the prototypical NFL style quarterback, and you know a lot of people looked at RG3. Well, he runs too much, and he does this, he does that. You know, he's not, he's never going to last in the NFL. He's going to get killed. and all these types of things, but. He, but he looks so good, and he's so energizing. And we've talked about this on the show too. He's so fun to watch, and he's such a good kid. And I, and how can and you know and you know and even being being a being, being a giant fan, how can you not root for this kid? I mean, I think he's he's everything that that, that that's right with the NFL. I think he's 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 he's, he's gracious. He's a good interview. He's a smart kid, uh, a terrific athlete, and you know, what a great ambassador for. Uh, for sports in D.C., so we'll, we'll just say that, number one. Number two, um, yeah, I mean, he, he played a great game, and the, and the Redskins, I thought, played a great game, but you know what? You, I think I think Eli has gotten that reputation now of a guy that, you know, you just can't give him any time. You cannot give him any time to, to, to walk for a comeback because he's done it time and time and time again. He's, he's done it in the Super Bowl. He's done it twice in the Super Bowl, actually. He's done it, uh, you know, many, many, many times to many teams. Um, it's funny. We, we actually, we had some fun with this, uh, during the week. Uh, I suppose my, uh, colleague Steve Serby wrote a piece pretty much saying that, uh, you know, Eli is the king of NFL quarterbacks. And, you know, while that could be debated, you know, I think you have a few other guys that are certainly in that conversation, you know, certainly, uh, guys like Brady and Breeze and, and Aaron Rodgers, you know, and certainly, uh, Peyton when he's healthy, you know, just to name four other guys. But, you know, you certainly can make the point that, you know, Eli is certainly, you know, there was that, that silliness a couple of years ago with Michael Kay in New York. You know, uh, is Eli an elite quarterback? And I think Eli certainly has proved he's an elite quarterback. And he certainly has played that way. And he's backed it up. And he certainly is in, in the conversation of top quarterbacks in the league. So, you know, he's just been so clutch. And nothing seems to face Nothing seems to, seem to rattle him. I mean, you know, they, his nickname from the, from the go has been Easy Eli. And he's just, he always has the same expression on his face, you know, no matter what it is. I mean, and you saw it also at the end of the first half when the Giants drove. Uh, to get a field goal, uh, you know, bing, bang, boom, a couple of good passes, and you're, they were right there to get a field goal uh, to get three points. So, um, in regard to that, Cruz, uh comments that you know came out later that uh, Eli said that he and Victor Cruz both saw that the Redskins had 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 employed the same coverage as they did during the two-minute drill at the end of the first half that I just mentioned. This were the field goal, so they noticed that the Redskins didn't change that up. On that drive, so they also know they noticed that that they thought it would be there for them, as it turned out, it was uh, that uh, you know Cruz and Eli both saw that the Redskins were playing a, a certain type of defense where Cruz had a had a lane open, or if you could just outrun the coverage, he was going to be open, and that's exactly what what happened. So I think the Giants were kind of a little surprised that the Redskins didn't change up their coverage uh, the two minute drill at the end of the game, as opposed to their coverage of two minute drill before the end of the first half. So that kind of explains why that play was so open, and they saw it, they saw that it was going to be there, and it was. So you know, uh, a little extra nose talk there, but 
that's what they saw, and that and it worked for them. So, um, you know, certainly a big win for the Giants in the division. Uh, you know, and then we'll segue that to you know we'll, we'll, we'll talk about this, this in a moment. But yeah, certainly uh, a big game coming up against the Cowboys, another good division matchup. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yes, uh, Cowboys beat the Giants to open the season. Uh, as we all remember, and now this game is down in Dallas, and uh, yeah, Dallas at some point in time needs to step up and show that they're, uh, you know, they're ready and uh, for the big time, and this Sunday would be as good as any. I mean, for my money, the Giants are the best team in the NFL, and I say that only because, as we saw on Sunday, uh, you can't count them out. Period. Even uh, even when they're down uh, and devastated by you know what most thought would be a last minute touchdown by the Redskins uh, in what would have been a stirring victory for the Redskins and very deflating for the Giants. But yeah, you know being up in New England, I've seen Eli do it a couple times in Super Bowls in recent years. And uh, again, for that very simple reason, you know the Giants know how to play on the big stage, and more importantly, Eli is. Uh, Knows how to author fourth quarter comebacks. He's now, uh, you know, basically what he's doing is historic suddenly in his last year, year and a half as far as fourth quarter comebacks. It all started with the 2007 Super Bowl. But we have a couple other great games this week. Uh, sticking with the Redskins, they play uh, at Pittsburgh. The Steelers have been ailing, uh, but... As the Steelers do, and I grew up in Pittsburgh, so I've watched them my whole life, uh, you know, when they absolutely positively have to win and got out a game like they did in Cincinnati last Sunday night, they're still capable of doing it, despite all the injuries and uh, everything else. They seem to just uh, show up when they absolutely have to. So that, that to me, is uh, just going to be a great game. Redskins at Steelers and just see what RG3 can do against the Steeler defense. They may be wounded, but uh, they're still the Steelers defense. So that's going to be fascinating, to say the least. And, uh, yes, it uh, it's going to be great um, in Pittsburgh. So the Steelers, uh, again, got back on the right track by beating the uh, beating the Bengals in an Interesting Sunday night game where, again, it uh, felt like they had no business winning. But uh, as I well know, the Steelers have made a living out of doing that type of thing. And uh, so, Barry, what are your thoughts on Steelers Redskins Sunday? Well, you know, it's funny. When, when you talk about the when you talk about the Steelers, you know, you, you, you kind of if you if you look at, at the Steelers and you look at the Giants, they're very similar in the way they approach things. Obviously, you're two proud franchises that played the game the right way. Uh, Classy franchises, of course, that comes right from the top, right? I mean, the Rooneys and the Maras, and they're and they're related uh, as far as families go. There's been some, uh, you know, marriages between the two families. The two families are very close, and I think the um, and I think that kind of trickles down to you know the personalities of the franchises themselves. You know, both both very proud. Uh, you know, as you said, they, they they know how to play. They know they know how to win, and the Steelers uh, are showing now, especially with all the injuries. Uh, yeah, with Palomalo being out and, uh, and, and some other guys, some other key guys being banged up, they still know how to win and they still know how to come out on Sunday and get the job done. And you're seeing that this year, you know, as you mentioned, you know, and, and they've had that proud tradition of doing it for a long time. 
And now we get to see you know, the RG3 show, you know, going to Pittsburgh and seeing what he can do there. I, I think this is, this is a pretty compelling game. I really do. Because you have, uh, you know, you have two teams that are, you know, very, very different. And I, I, I think that the Red, that the Redskins are certainly, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, BC fans are really, you know, getting their confidence back and, you know, feeling really excited about watching football again. So this, I don't expect any different here. I think it's going to, that's going to be a fun game to watch that and, uh, you know, certainly, you know, as, as we touched on before, uh, Giants Cowboys should be a great game. So. Oh, and you're absolutely right, Barry. I mean, I was literally in Washington, D.C., drove down from Boston on Sunday and got there. It's a spectacularly beautiful, sunny, warm afternoon. Get there at, you know, something that sounds like 3 o'clock. And the streets were generally deserted. You know, I got off the Beltway and driving in through Maryland uh, in what is Washington residential streets. And again, for a Sunday afternoon, I've been, I've, I know D.C., and I know when the streets are emptier than normal, and that was absolutely, positively the case. Uh, took a walk down the street, and every single place in, in a very popular area, and obviously every TV was uh, on the Redskins game, and... Every place was crowded with people watching and just stopping and peering in windows to get the score, that type of thing. Uh, so it, it was pretty cool. It really was. It was uh, an up-close-and-personal view of RG ma- RG3 mania in the nation's capital, capital and it is real. And uh, so, yes, so I enjoyed it immensely, and it was just great to get uh, get a taste of it up close and personal, uh, you know, this early in his career, which is so far remarkable. So with that said, uh, time for our break, and coming back on the other side, we'll stick with a little more NFL football. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We some hard hitters. We some hard hitters. Hard hitting radio is a new kind of sports and entertainment show. Your hosts are NFL veterans Mark McMillan and co-host Byron Evans. It's an hour of hater-free radio every week. You'll hear interviews with top athletes, celebrities, coaches, and fans. It's humor, hits, and conversation. Hard hitting radio is on with McMillan and Evans. Listen Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. 
That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. And back on the line with us is Barry Rubenstein of the New York Post Sports Department. And Barry, we, uh, we're talking NFL and we're going to continue doing so. And I offered a little bit on the big Giants Cowboys matchup this weekend, but I'd love to get your perspective as well. Well, I think that, uh, you know, certainly the, the game to open the season, you know, that might have been the Cowboys high point so far this year. I mean, they've, they've kind of been, they've kind of been sputtering a little bit since. And, uh, you know, one, one aspect that will certainly hurt them is the loss of their linebacker, Sean Lee, for the season. Um, you know, he's pretty much their quarterback on defense, and that's a huge blow uh, for them. Also, you know, you have the, um, you know, you, have, you, all, you also have the kind of the trash talking that Jerry Jones did uh, earlier this season. You know, uh, he, he did an event, uh, you know, for some season ticket holders to say, hey, come on out to the Cowboys Stadium and watch the Giants whip the Cowboys. He says, what, a different way than that. Uh, that got a lot of play in New York, and the Giants have not forgotten that. And the Giants also have not forgotten, you know, getting beat, uh, on that Wednesday night to the, the NFL season opener at home against the Cowboys. So, um, you know, the, the, the Cowboys are reeling a little bit. The Giants have been playing very well. The Giants, as we know, are, are such a good road team. I mean, to be able two weeks ago to be able to go into San Francisco and just dominate the 49ers the way they did. And they, they, just, seem to play, just, they just seem to play better at home than they do on the road. Um, so, I mean, I, I, think, I think the signs kind of point, point for the Giants in this way, in that matter, but who knows? I mean, that's why you play the games, right? You just, uh, you, know, you, you have to go out and actually execute and, and play. So, you know, the Cowboys kind of, kind of have their backs against the wall a little bit. This is a very crucial game for them. And, uh, it's crucial for the Giants too. They, they would love to get back to two and two in the division and, uh, you know, kind of erase, uh, that, that kind of, uh, sluggish start they had, uh, to the, to, to games in the division, you know, losing to the Eagles and losing to the Cowboys. So, um, you know, it's, it's big for them too. Yes, yes. Uh, well, it was that giant San Francisco game that caused me to say my earlier statement that, in my mind, the Giants are the best team in the NFL because uh, after watching that game, I realized they can go anywhere and do it uh, that basically they want to on any given Sunday. But, you know, and you also mentioned a little trash talking by Jerry Jones. Well, there's also a little bit of trash talking, uh, mild, if you will, between uh, Rex Ryan and Reggie Bush this week in advance of the uh, Dolphins-Jets game. And, I, again, I know you work down in New York, so what are your thoughts on that game? Well, you know, any division game is big, and especially in the AFC East when it's, so, when it's as, tight, as tight as the way it's so tight as it's been. I mean, last week we had all three te- all four teams in division, three and three. So anytime you play a division opponent, you know, you're going to have that juice. But then you know, when you get you know, the... the, 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 the um, the verbal juice on top of it that that just adds to it. So you know that's 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 the way Rex is, and he you know he's he's actually toned it down a lot this year. He's been a lot better than he has been in the past because he came under so much scrutiny last year for just kind of shooting his mouth off and not being able to back it up. So I think he's been a lot more judicious uh, than uh, than he has been in the past, you know, which is good for him. Uh, but you know, it, interesting that the that the, on the subject of the Jets, uh, you know, there was a. Um, a poll taken by NFL players this week um, that was published uh, just the other day about the most overrated players in the NFL uh, in a poll taken by NFL, you know, poll taken toward NFL players. And it was really funny that uh, 
the number one, uh, the top overrated player in the league, as voted on by the players, was Tim Tebow. And tied for second was Mark Sanchez, along with Tony Romo of the Cowboys, so that, which was it's pretty bizarre when you think about it, that you know the top two guys on, on the most overrated list, as voted by the players, would be Jets, and that the, the starting quarterback for the Jets would be number two, and the backup would be number one. So um, you know, maybe it's just goes to show that you know, the Jets kind of maybe have a reputation among the league as guys that you know, shoot their mouth off too much and, and a team that maybe isn't very likable uh, or respected very much among other players in the league. But I just think it's completely, you know, really kind of weird that you'd have, you know, two guys from the same team uh, be voted as the uh, most overrated in the league. Oh, absolutely. It was, uh, you know, jumped right out at me. And, again, the irony uh, and coincidence of that is fairly remarkable, actually. Uh, But, yeah, you know, the Jets are – you know, a team that, again, has talked loudly the last uh, couple of years. And the first couple, they they uh, backed it up by appearing in the two successive AFC championship games. Uh, no trips to the Super Bowl, but they got to the AFC title games, which is impressive in and of itself. And uh, the Dolphins, truly one of the big surprises of the league. Uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill is right there with Luck and RG3 and... You know, Russell Wilson uh, and to a degree even, you know, Brandon Whedon out in Cleveland where, you know, he's the fifth of the first round quarterback draftees and he's having a heck of a year. I, uh, you know, watched every minute of hard knocks and I'm impressed with the Dolphins. I never in a million years would have thought they would be as competitive as they are. And, uh, you know, they had the Chad Johnson situation to contend with as if they needed, you know, as if new coach Joe Philbin needed that distraction, but he got it. And lo and behold, uh, here they are. And I think it's just another case of, you know, what you see in preseason is not always what you see in the regular season. Cause I think most people who watched hard knocks would have said, well, the dolphins aren't going to be doing anything this year, but, uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, doing a nice job. They're, they're an interesting team to say the least. Yeah, I think so too. And Tannehill's been good, and Richie Bush has been really good, and uh, Philbin's done a great job, you know, kind of molding that team. So uh, they're right in the thick of it. And they, you know, I think if you if you'd ask any Dolphin fan whether they'd sign up for being at this point to the stage, they'd say yeah, heck yeah, after after where they've been the past few years. So uh, yeah, uh, it, it, and you know what, the Dolphins are are, are you know, another team, another franchise that you know traditionally been pretty good over the years. So it, it's always good to see them being competitive. And uh, again. You know, when, when you have as many teams, you know, right around the 500 mark as the NFL has, you know, either right above or right below or right at, you know, that's, that's you know, for a league that values parity, for a league that values competition and competitiveness, this is, this is what they want. So this, 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 so they're getting it. And, uh, you know, I expect the uh, AFC in particular to be a dogfight, you know, throughout the rest of the season. I, I think we're going to, I think we're going to see a lot of the same. I think we're going to see teams knocking each other off. Uh, you know, going back and forth, uh, you know, from week to week. And, uh, I expect to be, I expect to be to play out like this, uh, toward the end of the season. I really do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's fun, you know, to have the AFC East so competitive. Uh, again, living up here in New England, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium. Uh, I enjoy seeing the Patriots do well, uh, getting into the playoff, which, which means I'm going to playoff games close to home. But, uh, you know, 
it's not the same when, you know, you're into the last few games of the season and it's already wrapped up and there's the final games are not really with playoff games at stake. So I like the competitiveness and, uh, I'll just throw this out there looking ahead. Last game of the season, December 30th at New England, Dolphins at New England. So, uh, when I first saw the schedule, I just thought, you know, here we go again. Um, Kind of a meaningless game at the end of the season, but sitting here today, it doesn't look that way. And speaking of the Patriots, they're in London uh, to play the Rams on Sunday. I have a, a closeness to these London games, given that I wrote an article on the NFL's international strategy that it was published in the Financial Times of London a couple years ago. Uh, gathered information at the NFL owners' meetings in Boston in 2009, wrote the article, so... Um, deeply into the London games and, uh, just saw where they announced a second game for the first time is going to be played next year with the Steelers in late September. So quickly, we're down under a minute. What are your thoughts on Steelers Rams in London or excuse me, Patriots Rams in London this Sunday? Oh, the Rams are because uh, I, I think you, you have to kind of give the nod to the Patriots. I've been, I think. You know, they, uh, you know, they, they had to do to beat the Jets last week. And, uh, you know, the, the Rams are really banged up on the offensive line and they're, they're really been scuffling. Um, you know, I, I, I would say that the video you know, should be with the Patriots, but you know, when you have that, you know, transatlantic flight and, uh, you know, lots of jet lag and, you know, uh, that, that, that can really uh, affect the team in different ways. So it'll be interesting to see how they come out. Um, you know, the NFL, Feels that uh, you know international games are, are, are the way to go, and uh, obviously if they're going to have two games there next year, that's uh, that's big. And you know, and, and as you mo- as you mentioned, you know, you're 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 uh, you know you're an expert at, uh, at that phase of, of the NFL and its operation. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always kind of intriguing to see NFL games being played, you know, at at at, at venues that are not traditional uh, American football stadiums, and just kind of see the reaction and. Uh, they seem to enjoy NFL football in London. They've got some good crowds and some uh, and some uh, you know a lot of interest. So uh, yeah, so I think the NFL really sees this as a way to you know market the game overseas and a way to kind of keep that momentum going. Absolutely. Well, I interviewed Roger Goodell a couple of years ago on this very topic, and he, the NFL, and Roger himself are totally committed to the international strategy and playing games in London. So with that said, Barry, I just want to uh, thank you again for calling in. Tremendous perspective as always. And look forward to having you join us again next week. Thanks for having me. All right, Barry. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.